You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is my interview with the Oscar-nominated lead actor from Oppenheimer, Killian Murphy, and Emma Sasek interview with the Oscar-nominated supporting actress from Oppenheimer, Emily Blunt. We imagine a future, and our imaginings horrify us. They won't fear it until they understand it. And they won't understand it until they've used it. Theory will take you only so far. Hello, Killian. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time out of your extremely busy schedule to talk with me here today about your role in Oppenheimer. Hey, man, no worries. Uh, so first of all, I want to start off um, asking you because this, I believe, is maybe the most promotional work I've ever seen you do yeah. for a single film before. <laughs> is that an accurate statement? <laughs> I, I, I think you're right. I think you are right. I can understand that because this is a monumental moment for you in your career leading a film this large that has been this well embraced globally across the entire world uh, with the box office, the award success. Um, do you feel like a certain pressure from that responsibility or do you just all take it in stride and say, hey, you know what? This is a job. It is what it is. and I'm going to do what I have to do. Yeah, I think it's the latter, um, you know. It's a big, big uh, film. It's a big part for me, and I'm so proud of it. And, you know, we did the the promotional work in the summer when it came out, and then, of course, the strike happened, and we couldn't do anything. Yeah. And now we're in award season, and, you know, the movie's being celebrated, and um, and I'm just so happy for all of that. And, um, and I think I'm getting better at it, you know? <laughs> I think the more you do, the better you get at it. And uh, it's also been lovely to be with my castmates who I'm really, really close with and to be with Chris on this circuit because, you know, we, we all support each other. And, the, you know, Chris is such an old friend and Emily's such a good friend and Downey's just become this, I've become like, we've become like wingmen to each other. And um, I'm just, uh, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm actually enjoying it all, I gotta say, even though it is frantic. And jet lag is 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 not your friend, mm. but but you 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 know you you have to enjoy when it, when 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 a film is being celebrated like this. It's so flattering and so so um, humbling. Yeah, and you know I, I've been saying this to a couple of actors throughout this season, uh, from Coleman Domingo, Paul Giamatti, who you've met. It's really nice to see someone get recognized um, when they have been putting in the work for many, many years as a supporting player or as someone who um, is part of smaller films and to see uh, all of you just get this level of recognition at this point in your careers as fans, that's great for us to see too because it just feels like it's a bit of a reward for the hard work. And by the way, congratulations on your Oscar nomination for Best Actor. Incredible. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate that. So... You mentioned members of the cast here. I do want to know, I believe you share scenes with pretty much every single person uh, that's part of this ensemble, or most of them for the most part. Uh, but one person uh, who I did notice that I don't think you share any scenes with is Alton Ehrenreich. Uh, have you had a chance to connect with him at all along this campaign trail? 
yeah, we, we've we've hung out. Uh, he's such a brilliant guy, and I think he's stunning in the movie. Yeah. I remember reading the script and saying to Chris, gosh, that's such a wonderful part. Um, you know, it kind of sneaks up on you. And then Alden just came and crushed it in the movie, I thought. Yeah, I, I could I definitely agree. Who who would you say uh in general, with all these great actors that you share scenes with, who would you say is the person that really kept you on your toes and 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 raised your game the most and challenged you as an actor in a creative way? I mean, honestly, it wouldn't be fair of me to pick one. Every time I came in contact with any of those actors and any scenes we were in, they all just nailed it. And, you know, Chris had um, written this cast of like, it's like the cast of Ben-Hur. It's just wild. Yeah. And um, But none of them are composite characters. So they're all real life characters. So they'd all done such a huge amount of research on their own. So even, you know, when we came to the like the GAC meeting, I think, where we we all had to kind of improvise. Everyone could just improvise um, based on the knowledge they had all done uh, or all the, all the research they had all done on their characters. So it was um, it was a gift. And like for me, it kept me going. It kept me energized. Every day you'd have these extraordinary actors com coming in and nailing it. And, you know, you get exhausted on a film like this because I was in every single day and Chris was really, really, really pushing me. And I wanted him to push me. Um, but but when you have actors of that caliber turning up every day, it just raises your game. Yeah, I can imagine. So 50 plus days of shooting, from what I understand. And like you said, every day you're top of the call sheet pretty much. Does something like that, because like you said, Chris demands perfection. And there's like a certain level of creative intensity I hear from working on his set. How do you avoid the exhaustion? Like, how do you push yourself through such a frantic pace for a film of this size and magnitude? Well, I said to Chris at the beginning, I said, you always do push me, Chris, but on this one, I want you to push me harder than you've ever done before. And he said, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> the reason I think why I was able to maintain it is because Chris, as you say, demands excellence, but he deliver delivers it himself every single day. You know, that's the reason because he's leading from the front. Yeah. Uh, and he, you know, he never falters and he, he's got such stamina. So I, I'm just there, you know, being inspired by him and he sets the pace and he sets the tone and, and he really, really, he saw something in me in this role and just kind of just drew it out. And I, and I completely uh, wanted to read give as much as I possibly could in every way for it, you know, because I knew it was one of those huge roles. Um, so I just went for it. Yeah. And the role requires you to have to portray someone who is far more brilliant than most people that we encounter in our lifetime. Uh, you know, I'm just curious to know from the standpoint of like the intellectual aspect of J. Robert Oppenheimer, how much about quantum mechanics and physics did you uh, dive into to better understand the screenplay, understand him, or was it just working alongside Chris? Like, what, what kind of preparation went into understanding uh, Oppenheimer's mind? Well, you know, most of the population can't and don't think about human existence, the structure of the world, um, kind of our place in the universe, <laughs> walking around every day. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And he did. And 
I always tried to play it kind of more like a burden than a gift, you know, and, and it would have been impossible for me to spend six months trying to grasp uh, what, you know, the meaning of quantum mechanics or try to understand it. My job was to was to mine and kind of excavate the humanity of it all. Do you know that was my that was my job? Yeah. So that's how I approached it. Uh, you know, I had a vague conceptual grasp on it all. I, I spoke a lot with Kip Thorne, who was uh, the advisor on the movie, who who worked at Interstellar with Chris, and he's a he has a Nobel Prize, and he was lectured by Oppenheimer. So that was very very useful. Um, but it, but it's told in a very human way. The story, you know, it's not meant to be a history lesson. It's not meant to be didactic. It's not meant to be prescriptive. Uh, it's it's about human beings ultimately. Yeah, I agree with that. It's an emotional journey and one that uh, takes the audience on such an epic, thrilling ride. And you wouldn't expect that necessarily from a three-hour, partially black and white, talking heads in a room drama. But Chris just has this unbelievable ability to make the filmmaking feel so propulsive and urgent. And honestly, by the end of this movie, too, after your extremely haunting final line reading vital and necessary in a way I think a lot of people have kind of blocked out the themes of this movie prior to watching it like we we, we would prefer not to think about nuclear holocaust but this movie exactly. is forcing us to yeah to think about it and contemplate it yeah exactly that and I I think that it do, it does that in a very clever way and that it entertains you and thrills you and horrifies you and shocks you but it also provokes you you know absolutely no I I've I've never had so many conversations with people about the possibility of the end of the world following this movie, <laughs> but, yep. uh, it, you know, I, I do think that it is important that we consider this and also look towards uh, exemplary leadership and our world leaders, because at the end of the day, they're the ones who are going to dictate whether or not if that is our fate. I agree, but but also remember, you know, the power of the people. You know, we're the people who vote them in. We're the people who vote them out. You know, protests matter. That that That's what I think. And art matters. Yeah. So, you know, we can't just rely on our politicians. We have to rely on ourselves. You know, that's what I believe. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. I definitely agree with that as well. I, I saw footage of you climbing that 100-foot steel tower on the Los Alamos set. Can you walk me through that moment because I'm watching the wind blowing and I'm seeing you. It, it is you, right? That's climbing that. Yeah. <laughs> What's going through your mind as you're getting higher and higher up that uh, structure? <laughs> well, see, I don't mind going up. It's the coming down bit that I'm concerned about. I remember that day we needed the weather because if you remember from the movie, that's when the star storm starts coming in and then it just came in. Yeah. So it blew gale all of a sudden. And, um, you know, uh, like Chris, he does everything for real in camera. So so we just went up and everyone was a little tense and it was it was scary. But I knew it was going to look great. <laughs> and but like when you're up that high yeah, and the wind is blowing a gale up there. Yeah, you, you really feel it. But that that's always been my experience with Chris. You know, like I remember that. That introductory scene in Dunkirk, where I'm sitting on the uh, in the hull of that overturned vessel in the ocean, and again, that was very dicey kind of weather. And I remember all the Marine guys were like a little um, suspect about putting me up there. And then Chris went, "Look, I'll go up there first, and we'll try it." And he went up there first, and then then they put me up there. So you you feel really kind of um, 
looked after and safe in, in his hands. And he will always put the safety of his actors first, uh, of course. But uh, it's so much more uh, exciting and real for the actor if you if you can be in the actual environment because you, you know you're just going to react as the character would and i've had that all the way through with chris i remember the same thing in inception during one of the the skiing sequences like we were in this whiteout snowstorm and it was just uh, exhilarating being in the real weather you know yeah absolutely i mean capturing anything in camera is always going to yield a better result and Nolan is the master at doing that. He's really setting the bar for every other filmmaker that's out there. I think so, yeah. So I want to know just in terms of challenges for this movie, and I want to preface by saying your performance in this is mesmerizing from beginning to end. Oh, thank you so much. What day can you recall on set was challenging, but when the day was over, you walked away with a sense of not just relief, but also fulfillment in how the scene turned out? Um, I gotta say, man, it was all challenging. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was all challenging. Like we really hit the ground running, and it, we just never stopped because of the 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 schedule and the pacing and the nature of the script. You know, it's um, it is so dense, and it, you know, there's so many lines in. It's so technical, but. For me, I was always trying to chase down the emotion and to try and convey as much by withholding as much as I possibly could, you know, because that was the nature of his character. It all had to be internalized. It all had to be interior. And that's what I was trying to do is to try and portray the struggles that he was experiencing morally and intellectually and emotionally, all of those without showing too much that 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 was the biggest challenge biggest challenge for me and then i guess trying to like you know keep the weight down and keep the energy up and uh yeah uh, and just stay healthy and stay focused and stay ahead of the script like i pretty much i pretty much kind of knew the script mechanically before we started shooting because chris shoots so fast he gets ahead so easily so sometimes the scenes from next week will be brought into this week so you all like and I would at any point I would have some huge speech that would have to be ready, you know, mm -hmm. well, I guess there's the big ones like the big scene in Fuller Lodge after the after the bomb was dropped in Japan. That that was a biggie, you know, the big interrogation scene with Jason Clark at the end. That was a biggie yeah. The scene with Emily, you know, when she finds him out in the woods, that, that, that was a biggie. And I remember you just have to be available you just have to let go for me a lot of acting is is letting go you know just just uh being a vessel for it and just kind of being available and trusting your director and being open to making an idiot of yourself you know and i can do that with chris because i trust him so much um and we have such a like we have 20 years of doing this together i don't know if i could have done what i did without without chris being the director you know I totally can understand that, but I also would think too, uh, don't sell yourself short because I mean, you led six seasons of Peaky Blinders over many, many years. So I have to imagine something like that gave you confidence and also like probably the, uh, in its own weird way, like its own form of preparation to take on something of this size and, and be able to lead it the way that you did. I mean, cause you did that show for what, 10 years? Yeah. We, I mean, you know, 
did that for 10 years and I, I played plenty of leads in the past, you know, and yeah, uh, uh, for, for different directors, for Danny and for Ken Loach and for all these different directors. But this was a sort of different order of magnitude. Yeah. You know, um, and I guess I, I, I'm very kind of disciplined when it comes to work. Uh, um, you know, it, 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 I kind of cancel reality. There is, there is nothing else happening in my life when I'm when I'm working. Yeah. So that's always been my sort of mo. So it was it, it was useful to me when when this when Chris called out of the blue, <laughs> and it was also useful that I I wasn't doing anything else. I had just finished season six of Peaky, and I was just looking around for what was going. And I was, I, yeah, you're probably right. I just, it was kind of the perfect time. I felt ready. Yeah. Well, looking ahead beyond Oppenheimer, given the success of the film, it almost feels like the world is trying to thrust upon you this new era of celebrity status. But I know from other interviews that you've given that you very much enjoy the sort of uh, role for yourself that you have in the projects that you've taken on, whether it's part of an ensemble or you, I know you got um, small things like this premiering in a few days in Berlin that you're the lead of, uh, but that's obviously a smaller film than something like Oppenheimer. Do you see this like kind of taking a turn in your career towards larger scale projects or would you like to maintain the trajectory that your career has always been on? Yes, I think so. For me, it's not really the scale of the budget it's the scale of the story mm. that's what's important to me um and small things like these is you know it's a it's a small film and a tiny a tiny tiny story but it's huge thematically the stuff that it's it's kind of wrestling with and that's the that's what i've always chased down you know and like genuinely for me the writing and the collaborators are always the first thing uh, that I look for and the, the 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 whether it's made in the studio system or whether it's made in the independent system or whether it's made in television or whether it's on stage that is secondary you know it genuinely for me it's it's the scale of the story always yeah definitely get a sense of that as well I've been following your work uh, ever since I laid eyes upon you in 28 days later and I, I've just always been mesmerized by how versatile you are whether it is leading a film or if it's part of an ensemble you always show up and you always show up with your a game you're i i i'm really glad like i want to express to you like how personally happy <laughs> Thanks, i am man. that you're getting this level of recognition this year because it's been long overdue in my opinion uh well that's that's very that's very very kind of, and, and that means a lot to me i appreciate it i'm allison holland host of the kennedy dynasty podcast Equipped with a microphone and a long-term fascination of the Kennedy family, I am joined by an incredible cast of experts, friends, and guests to take you on a fun, relaxed, yet informative journey through history and pop culture. From book references to fashion to philanthropy to our modern expectations of the presidency itself, you'll see that there is so much more to Kennedy than just JFK or conspiracy theories. Join me for the Kennedy Dynasty podcast. And as we wrap up here, uh, I have to ask, it has been... A long, long time since 28 days, 28 weeks later. Where are you currently at this time in development for 28 uh, months at this at this current time? Well, I think it's going to be 28 years. Oh, yes. <laughs> at, this, at this stage, because like we shot the movie um, 
2001 now, I believe. Um, so it's going to be, yeah, it'll be 20, it'll be 28 years. Yeah, I think it's happening. It looks like it's happening. It looks like Danny's back. I'm going to be involved to what level as of yet we, we can't confirm, but I'm definitely involved. And uh, Alex has written the scripts. So yeah, we're getting the band back together. So watch this space. I am so, so excited. I love both of those films, and uh, I'm just excited that you're a part of it to some degree or another. So that's really, really exciting. And then final question before we end here today. When you look back on not just the experience of shooting Oppenheimer, but then also to this whole award season, I know it's not over yet, but do you have just any general thoughts on you know, where it all sits for you in terms of your career, your personal life, just general thoughts on the, the overall experience? Yeah, I mean, it's very hard to talk about it when you're kind of in the middle of it. But I just feel just uh, so grateful to be spoken about in the same breath as all these amazing filmmakers and actors and producers. And, you know, for me, the the best part about it has been getting to meet them all yeah. and talk to them all uh, as colleagues and just chat about their experiences and chat about the work and um I think that keeps everybody sane during it all when we're all just chatting about work because uh, these are people that I've admired for for a very, very long time. Some of whom I've worked with before and haven't seen for years and some of whom, you know, I'd love to work with. But that is that collegiate atmosphere of it is is something that I've really, really enjoyed. Um, but, yeah, it's been it's been it's been wild. Um but very, 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 very uh, exciting. Well, only a few more weeks left. Uh, <laughs> and then, like I said, you have a film premiering in Berlin in three days time of this recording. Uh, so you're very, very busy. I will let you get back to it. I thank you so, so much for taking a few minutes here with me today. Oh, man. Of course. And thanks for your kind words. They, they, I, I genuinely appreciate it. I don't just uh, say that. No, and thank you for this gift of a movie. I've seen it nine times now, and I know I'm going to... No way. Yeah, Holy shit. You're coming to New York, actually, at the end of the month for Q&A. That'll be my 10th time uh, watching it. And I'm, <laughs> I love this movie. Goodness. I can't get enough of it, truly. Wow. Wow. Well, that that's something else. I, I mean, I have seen it twice, but fucking <laughs> hell. You, you know, you're probably... Only Chris Nolan has seen it more times than you, I'd, 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 no, I'd wager. No, no, no. Believe me when I tell you, you guys have made such a masterpiece of a film. I, I'm not the only one. There are so many people I know who have seen this movie even more times than me. And uh, that's all very long way of me saying thank you to you. Thank you to Chris. Thank you to everyone that worked on this amazing film. Thank you, Killian. Thanks, man. N nice to chat to you. You too. Take it easy. Take care. I don't know if we can be trusted with such a weapon. But we have no choice. to rewatch the film the other day just to get a good refresher and um i was so glad i got to rewatch your feistiness in this film <laughs> cool thank you
Um, I guess, you know, for starters, I I was reading a little bit about American Prometheus, the book that all of this is based off yeah. of. And um, what I thought was so interesting was the way that so many people described Kitty and usually in not very good terms. How was that for you? I mean, you reading this, seeing what all of these men thought of her, um, I'm sure that that, you know, it, it makes it a little tough when you have to embody this character and try to show who she was as a person. I mean, I like the challenge of it, you know, especially when someone is so as sharp edged as she was. Um, and I'm always going to be interested in the full shadow of somebody and why they are the way they are. And it's my job to bring that into the fold. And nobody's just one thing. I'm sure at face value, she intimidated people. She was difficult. She made people nervous. She made them uneasy. She was not warm and fuzzy. She did not comply. Like I'm sure to all the men back then, she must have been too wild and too unpredictable. Yeah. And everyone knew that she had his ear and she did. She really did. And she did adore him and she did support him and she fought for him and believed in him. And in many ways, she had um, clarity when he didn't and was one of the only people with clarity when everything else became foggy during the um, during the court hearings. But, you know, I'm I don't ever get sort of put off by that. Mm-hmm. And I'm not interested in people being likable or not likable. Like it's not I don't it doesn't matter if I don't, if I like her or you don't like her. I think it's that you've got to understand her. Mm -hmm. And I felt I understood her. And I guess I had a lot of empathy for a brilliant brain like that going to waste in domesticity alone. And I think there must be a lot of women who had to contort themselves into a housewife ideal that wasn't natural to them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's okay that it's not enough for someone just to be someone's wife or just someone's mummy. And I think she was that person and she was a scientist. She was brilliant. She was so, so bright. They were like two comets coming together intellectually for each other. Um, So it was just my job to really learn about all of that rather than the male opinions of her back then. (laughs) Of course, because even I'm sure even if she was an angel, there would still be something that didn't strike a chord with somebody else based on how she may have interacted with them I'm sure she rubbed people the wrong way I'm sure (laughs) she did I bet she wasn't easy (laughs) and I I mean I do appreciate um you know something that you bring to the film and in this conversation yeah you don't see her as super happy that she has to have to has to hear children screaming around her um she is she's clearly going through a very difficult time and uh, it does seem like maybe those desires and those needs may have been, you know, sidestepped, and especially in a very difficult time that she had found herself in with with everything that was going on in the world. Yeah, I mean, what the the stakes of that world at Los Alamos and the isolation and loneliness of that world and the fear and the drive to succeed. I think it just made people forget themselves and. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, she had children. I think she was a terrible mother. (laughs) And I remember actually our first scene, we were driving into 
Los Alamos. There's a scene where Killian and I in a car and the baby's screaming. Yep. And that was the first take because he was, this little one was like two years old and it's the worst age ever to hand them off to a stranger. And so the poor <laughs> little guy just erupted, scream crying, snot pouring out of his nose. So that was the take that Chris used. But then after that, I could see he was so tired. And so I started singing like nursery rhymes to him and he just fell asleep on me for the seven other takes. And I was like, oh, look, you see. And then Chris was, like, <laughs> Chris was like, no, I'm going to use the first take because then she looks like a terrible mother. And I was like, oh, come on. She looks like she's she a drink. sleeping child. But it is the better take. It is. It's true. <laughs> you know, obviously, as everything that Robert was going through in this film, Kitty was always there, whether she was right next to him, one step behind yeah. him, just in that whole orbit. I'm curious from you, you know, you get to exhibit this person and be in her brain. What do you think she was thinking about as, I mean, her husband is about to become this huge, huge figure uh, post-war. Um, and then obviously everything that her family and the two of them go through, just what do you think is circling through her mind? Because I'm sure, I mean, that's what I was thinking of as I was watching your performance. What is she thinking as she's thinking. in the hearing, as she is bringing in the sheep? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think she really powerfully and with great conviction believed in him and only him. I think she saw him as a leader and wanted him mythologized like that. She liked the acclaim. She wanted it for him. He was deserving of it. Um, I think a lot of the other scientists irritated her and she didn't trust them. <laughs> I don't know if she was someone who led with trust anyway in the best of times, <laughs> but I think she wanted a lot of glory for him. And I think she was a more remorseless person than him. I think he carried huge resounding shame and guilt and trauma. I think whether it was just her DNA or her disassociation from it, she did not carry it as heavily. But I think from what we we um, can glean from everything we've read about her, Chris and I, um, I think she did sit there in those court hearings, just festering with rage, really, yeah. at people um, wronging him by not having accountability for their part in things, for the raking across the coals, for the humiliation, for their private lives, mm -hmm. just laid bare for everyone to look at. And when it came to him, his affairs, his, like everything, all of it was out there in the open. So I think that facade that they had built for themselves by design, the Oppenheimers, you know, what they were, started to crack. And so I guess in the big testifying scene where she finally gets to testify herself, mm -hmm. she's been set up to, you think she's been set up to fail. So it's a great setup because she's so volatile and unpredictable at that point. <laughs> Obviously no one wants her to talk. They think she's going to choke. We all think she's going to choke. And then I think not only does she fight for him, but she fights for herself in that scene and her dignity and sort of reclaiming that brain, sort of coming back to life, I guess. And and Jason Clark was so brilliant. You know, he's so <laughs> awesome and such a perfect bully. And I think at that point, 
hopefully the audience is just wanting someone to come in and just rip his face off like please come in and just (laughs) just like go to town on him and so that was um a lot it was a really exhilarating moment for me as an actor but a moment for me as the character you know I I was so happy for Kitty that she got that moment I guess I was cheering for her I mean First of all, you get to walk in owning the place. (laughs) You get to yell at a bunch of angry white guys who are just screaming and owning the space the entire time. They're not giving anybody a moment to clarify their answers. They're just catching them and tripping on their words. But you don't let that happen. And I, I, when I watched the film in the theaters, I heard people clapping for you. At the end of the scene, I was I was certainly one of them because I was like, oh, finally, wild. somebody does that. <laughs> oh no, it's 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 wild that people cheer for her in that moment. I'm so happy that that they're on side, you know, and that maybe, however prickly she is, people are sort of people want someone to fight for him, you know. Mm-hmm. And I I do particularly love those moments where um, when he finds out that Jean. Um, Florence Pugh's character when he finds out of her passing Kitty is there to be that strong person despite you know it's a it's a hard moment for her knowing that you know who this person is to him but you're there very strongly for him and then I do also love when you really push back at him and you say this is all Strauss is doing and why are you shaking hands with these people is that, yeah. you know, I, I just love the moments where you yeah. really get to stand up for not just yourself, but for everyone. Yeah. And, and I think that's what I always really admired about her, that conviction. And she doesn't sugarcoat anything. Um, she's searingly honest. And I think and I remember shooting that scene by the rocks where Killian is playing Oppenheimer in a sort of mm-hmm. gibbering mess of mm-hmm. incoherence. And it's almost like so cool how he played it it's almost like he forgets he's talking to his wife you know yeah Yeah. in that scene um I think they took it out but I slapped him really hard in the scene (laughs) yes I don't think that is in the film (laughs) I don't think it's in there but we did I did hit him on the day poor kill like took so many slaps to those very famous cheekbones but um (laughs) but I think Chris took it out but um yeah, I rem- I loved doing that scene. And I remember that line she has where she says, um, you know, that about not committing the sin. Yeah, you you don't get to commit the sin and have a, have us all feel sorry for you, that it has consequences. Mm-hmm. And then I love where she said, you know, pull yourself together. People here depend on you. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like, I don't know, I, I loved that line in the script because I was like oh that's so devastating because yes you could say on the outside she's saying it to that she's talking about the scientists and everyone working at Los Alamos but she's talking about herself really Mm -hmm. and her family and the children everybody yeah Yeah, it's like much more vulnerable than a sort of marching order it's it's Mm -hmm. actually quite revealing and there were so many wonderful lines that Chris wrote for her like truly just 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 so much to pull from every scene there's an undercurrent of really what she's thinking it's so Mm -hmm. much fun I know I only have time for one more question but um I can't not ask what it was like to be part of this mega hit that was 
coined with Barbie as Barbenheimer. Um, but not only yeah. that, working with Christopher Nolan and Killian Murphy and just Robert Downey Jr., just so many huge, huge names. Florence Pugh, as I mentioned from before. I mean, yeah. this is just one of those incredible castings that I feel like are once in a lifetime. I mean, all of us felt it, it, it was such a wow factor every day just to see these actors come in for like a day, like Rami Malek and then mm-hmm. Kenneth Branagh. And um, I mean, Robert is just extraordinary in it. So is Florence. And I was just delighted watching it. I was delighted because there was so much that I wasn't there. I, all my scenes were with Killian, really. And just to see what else went on. I was like, <laughs> I couldn't feel my legs after watching the movie. I feel like Chris Nolan unleashed this film upon the world. And <laughs> um, I don't know if people knew what was coming. I don't think any of us as actors knew um, quite the ripple effects that it was going to have. And, oh, thrilling. It's still, it's still, we're really still kind of jaws on the floor about it. <laughs> I know you're working with Ryan Gosling for a project coming up next and I when I saw that I said oh perfect a Kitty Oppenheimer and Ken team up I love this let's oh, keep the Barbenheimer it's like, going <laughs> it's a total team up <laughs> I think people will have fun with that <laughs> I'm excited to see it <laughs> oh you well, it's so much fun the movie is mad and bonkers and wonderful oh no good <laughs> you'll love it it's great Emily, I just want to thank you so very much for your time today. It was such a pleasure. So, well, you are such a pleasure. And thank you so much for being so curious about it all. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to my interview with the Oscar-nominated lead actor for Oppenheimer, Killian Murphy, and Emma Sasek's interview with the Oscar-nominated supporting actress for Oppenheimer, Emily Blunt, here on the Next Best Picture podcast. Killian Murphy and Emily Blunt are up for your consideration for the 96th Annual Academy Awards in Best Actor and Best Supporting Actress, and Oppenheimer is nominated for 13 Academy Awards, including Best Picture, Best Director, Best Adapted Screenplay, and Best Supporting Actor for Robert Downey Jr., and is now available to stream on Peacock. You have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you'll get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you all so much for listening, as always, and we will see you all next time. Hello, this is Gary Chahot welcoming you to check out the French History Podcast. Our main show covers the history of France from the first humans until present. If you liked Mike Duncan's The History of Rome and wanted a similar program covering the land of beauty, culture, and love, we are exactly that. 
We also host world-renowned scholars who have delivered guest episodes on their specialties, including 18th century pirates, revolutionary booksellers in 20th century Paris, the special friendship between the Marquis de Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson, and numerous others. Learn what you love and listen to the French History Podcast today.